somebody called me up and said, I have to go meet a survivor of the Holocaust that has an unbelievable story. She is now the matriarch of a beautiful family. Children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, all Erlich Yidin. The first part of her story is extremely sad, how she suffered from seven years old till about 11 and a half years old. It's hard to understand and it's hard to hear how somebody can go through that. And after the war, her father came back. He unfortunately lost his wife and his daughter. And he had his sons and this girl. He came to pick her up after being away for so long from her. He was a very chash of a rav, a belzadayin, a big Talmud Chacham, a big tzaddik. And now he picked her up and imagine his heartache and his pain that she was not at all interested in having anything to do with Yiddishkeit. And listen to what he did and how hard it must have been for him. Listen to her story. The first few minutes is very difficult about her survival, how she went through the war years, but then afterwards, how she was not interested at all. And had her father rejected her, we would have lost a beautiful family in Klal Yisrael. But listen what he did with tremendous seichel, with tremendous vision of a future, and how powerful the tool of parents who love their child, even when it's painful, how it turned her heart around and made her want to be from and to raise a beautiful Jewish family. And as I always tell parents, you'll see at the end, this kid that you invest so much into and you believe in, even when it's so hard, I always say, they will take care of you. And she did. She wouldn't put him in a home. She wouldn't let anyone else take care of him. And he wanted to only be with her. It's a very painful and a very beautiful story with a tremendous lesson that we have to take away all these ideas It's my house, it's my rules, guilt, pain, why are you doing this, what are you doing, how could you do this to me, you can't do it in my house. All of that fails. It's always failed, it's never worked. And listen to this beautiful story and take her message to heart because she knows what it's like. She knows what saved her and what allowed her, instead of being lost forever, it allowed her to come back to her roots and the nachas that she has because of the wisdom of her father. when the Nazis came to us. And I was going through, I don't believe hell can be worse. I was hidden in a sewer. I was, the rats were running around our feet in the sewer and we survived. Then I was put in a place because they were calling it axes. Every time there was an axe, they 
swept the kids away. So the kids were a problem and the old people were a problem. So we were put into a place under a shawl and they bricked us up. They left one brick open to give us food. We didn't know when was day, when was night. We sat there a whole July. I was there with my brother. My brother was older than me. We were so hungry. We used to get, because they couldn't bring food, because they were not allowed to walk in the middle of the night. And they brought in the middle of the night uh, a can of water and food. There was no toilets. There was nothing. So we were there. And we used to get a little bread and a half a glass of water. This was for the day. And unfortunately, there was a lady who wanted to save her kid. She was a, she had an infant. And she was with us. We were like terrible people in this place. And the kidnapper cried. And the people made her kill the kid. And we were with a dead body in July in this place. I started going crazy. I said to my brother, I said, I will make noise. I want them to kill me. Let them kill me. I don't want to live enough. I was seven years old. Seven years. I I understood what was going on like you and me today. And my brother said, Ruja, don't make any noise. I will give you my portion. Eat my portion to Nebuch. My brother didn't eat and I ate his portion. At the end, they said the oxygen is over and everybody came to pick up Nebuch. They picked up the body, they picked up everything there and my mother and we were undressed we were sitting only in underpants there was everything whatever that was our life there my mother came to pick us up she took one look at me and she passed out never she looked at I had warmth in my body, living in my body. We looked, we must have looked terrible. And from this, we came home and my mother like cleaned us up and, and then they said, no, the axe is back. So we went to the sewer and there we were in the sewer. We didn't even have a chance yet to eat. Can you imagine? And then we were in the sewer. In the sewer, they got us out. They took us out. And my brother finagled that uh, we... To hide themselves. Yeah. I was by a goy for three years. I had a goite who hid me for three years. And she was very good to me. And she said that there was a war was going on, 
truth and love body, if nobody comes, I will, I will give you. But Layla, since she was a very fancy lady, and I'll give you piano lessons, you're gonna be my kid. And then my father came and picked me up. My father was running, he was in the rapture. Let's say where you were the three years. Yeah. Let's say where you were the three years. Yeah. Three years she was under a bed every day and she only got out yeah. at night. They took her yeah. out to stretch her legs. Yeah. No, it's yeah, the host is yeah. my, my goite no. was a seamstress. I mean, she was a designer, but she was, uh, and she supported herself by doing, and they took away her apartment because they were very rich, fancy people. So she only had one bedroom, and I lived with them in one bedroom, and the, the, the army, the, the, the cap, a captain lived in her apartment. The German captain? Yeah. So she couldn't, she couldn't have me. So I was a whole day under a bed, and I had a doll, and I had books, and I lived under a bed, and at night, the guy went to the, uh, to the army, so he was in the, uh, he was a big guy. So we had the bathroom. This was my every day. For three years. Yeah. <laughs> that was my my great childhood. Okay. But I had a hope that after the war I'm gonna be a boy. Who wants to be a eat? What for this? What I went through, I wanna be a eat. And my father Never came back and saw the broch. And I gave him, never, I gave him so much aggravation because I wanted him to throw me out. And he wouldn't throw me out. He, every day he was telling me stories from what was, why was this, why was that, kusha, and this, and why this. I forget what is he telling me, I want to go to the movies. I was 12 years old. I'm going to live it up. I don't want to be a kid. And never, and he, he worked on me. This is after the war? After the war. Where were you living? I was in Lemberg. And then we went to Krakow. And then we were in Germany in Fürth. After the war? Yeah. So, and he went back to being from and going he to school. He was from. He didn't eat harvest the whole all time. the time. Yeah, he was a guy. Yeah, but he, but he left to Russia with the boys. The boys couldn't be hidden, so he left to Russia with the boys. But he didn't eat anything. He was My father was a dying and was learning day and night. What was his name? Lichter Joseph Lichter. Lichter? Lichter. Lichter. Yeah, the yeah. bells are dying in Lemberg. Yeah. The bells are dying in Lemberg. Yeah. Okay. So it's after the war and he lost his... His, his wife. Your mother. My sister. I lost a sister and I lost my mother. And the boys were okay? The boys were the back? The boys went as Germans to, to the German part of Russia. 
They were born. So they survived. They survived. I had three brothers in Miami. So you survived the war, picked but, you up, and yeah. now you were 11, 12, yeah. 13, and you're yeah. saying, I want to go to the movies, I'm not interested in this. No. For how many years? Now, just like, so my mother always says when my grandfather came to pick her up, she's like, I'm not going with these people. She gave one look at them. Oh, you wanted to stay with the seamstress. <laughs> yeah, she saw the brothers and the, this Jewish man and these boys, and she was like, they look so I'm funny to me. You know? You didn't remember from before the war that everyone I, looked like I that? I did remember, but I didn't want it anymore. So what won you over? He treated me so nicely. He never, never gave me, uh, you know, a negative thing. Gave you money? Gave me money. So you want to go to the movies? Go to the movies. This is the end from this. What's this the end? Down. The result. Mom, can you tell the story about Yom Kippur? Because <laughs> he didn't hear it. Yeah. <laughs> the first Yom Kippur that I had to fast. So my father was, we were in Krakow. So there was Minion, there was, you know, it was after the war. And my father said, listen, yes, but you shouldn't swell it. That's fast. So okay. now you're twelve. You have to fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Left me at home. He went to shul, and he was a holiday in shul. He was in Kippa. and he came home, and I was home, and he looked at me. I said, "I ate a holiday." So what did you do a holiday, Joe? Did you daven? Did you say anything? Did you? He left me something in in Polish. I didn't know any. So I went to school in Krakow. So I learned a little bit, but not much. There was a Jewish school after the war. So he says, I went to the movies. I saw about my father's eyes tear, tearing. He didn't say a word. I wanted to aggravate him. <laughs> you looked like a gentleman, but it was hurting. Yeah. Yeah. And he was so patient with me and so loving that I, I started having the feeling of a father. My father was a big Talmud and he learned day and night. And what he spent time with me was really that he didn't have. But he put away all his patience and time for me. After this, I got married and I told my husband before I got married. Listen, you marry me, but I have a father. Wherever I go, my puppy goes. So he said, yeah, I will, I will love your father. And he really loved him. He really loved him. You went from 
Yim Kippur at the movies to getting well, married. She found Zaidi, tall, no, handsome guy. Yim Kippur at the movies. I was twelve. Twelve. Oh, so slowly. So when did it? And between then, little by little. So through his love, you yeah. you decided yeah. that you want to have yeah. a yeah. a from. No, I really started having the same feeling. I was my father's favorite when I was a kid because I was the youngest, and he really loved me. I was my father's pet, and then I started having the same love to him. Like it started being wow. from before. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Wow. So, and you did pretty well. Looks like you have a beautiful family over here. Can I know? <laughs> Can I know? My, my, my grandfather lived with my parents till yeah. so he passed away. Yeah. Yeah, my father passed away. Was never in my house. We didn't. We didn't let him go anywhere. You took care of him. Yeah. Beautiful. And my husband took care of him. My brothers came to take care of him. He said, "No, this is where I wanna be." Beautiful. So we have now, unfortunately, after so many years, we have a lot of kids that are also not behaving the right way, and they're breaking Shabbos, and it's easier to do bad things these yes, days. Yes. And what would be the message that you give? To those parents, I will tell them to be patient and to love their kids truthfully. Truthfully, yeah. But how do you love someone when they're breaking Shabbos? It's your kids. I love my kids no matter what. Even though you're in pain, yes, that yeah. they're not yeah. doing what you want. Yeah. yeah. And if they want to go to the movies, it don't throw away your kids. You have to be very patient, and you have to really have self-control. It hurts, but you have to do it if you hope that you're gonna convince them to be different. One day through influence, not yes. by talking, talking, not by talking, by showing them patience, love, and consideration. After we finished the interview, she told me something, and it's a shame that it's not on camera, but she said that she had a relative here in America. And this relative was very chosh of a people, a rav and a rabbitson. And they had a daughter that went off the derech, and they rejected her. And that daughter ended up marrying a guy. And her and her future is lost to Klal Yisrael. And this Rebetzin told her, and she told this to me, she said, after many years, I was wrong. I should have done what your father did. Let's not make that mistake. Let's not reject our children no matter what they're doing. It's temporary. We have the most powerful, powerful tool in the world. The power of love and acceptance it's the most powerful tool and it can change a person no matter what pain, tsar, no matter what trauma they went through, no matter how much they say, I don't want this, it can change their heart 
to embrace what we love and what we know is true and good. Only with Ahava. The stipler said that it says, Shloim HaMelech wrote, Ki Ahava, love is as strong as death. So the stipler asked, what does that mean, love is as strong as death? What does one thing have to do with the other? Love, death, says the stipler Zatzal. Just like when it's time to die, there's nothing that could stop it. So too the power of Ahava, the power of authentic love, is so powerful, nothing could stop it. And I want to add that because Ki Ahava, the only thing as strong as death, which is unstoppable, is love, which is unstoppable, then the only tool that we can have, even for children who never want to die, children who are suffering, who are suicidal, on drugs, the only tool that is as powerful as death is the power of love. Because only love is as strong as death. She says you have to love them truthfully because they're your child. The child feels that and will feel and develop those feelings of love back towards you and want what you know is true and want to live a life of Torah. This whole family, so many children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren is only here because of the wisdom of her father and the lesson that we need to learn in our generation. Never throw away your child. Never reject them. Never say negative never say anything negative. Even when she went to the movies on Yom Kippur and she ate all day, as painful as it was for him, he could have said, this, this is what I survived for? Don't you remember? What are you doing? You're killing me. None of that changes the ratzah the inner will of anyone. It's negativity. He had pain, but he didn't say anything. And he kept on taking of his precious time of learning Torah, and giving it to her with patience, with love, with money, even for going to the movies, which in those days, it was a sign that not interested. He didn't pressure her. He didn't guilt her. Let's learn these tools that we need. And one day, Ba'ezus Hashem, your children will also be there for you and will say, all I have, everything that I have is only because of the wisdom of my parents who loved me with tremendous patience, even though it's painful. And they never said a negative word. And this is the same advice given in Meirat Tzedek by Rav Pam Zatzal, by Rav Gershon Edelstein Zatzal, by Rav Steinman Zatzal, by Rav Chaim Kanievsky Zatzal, by the Satmar Rebbe Zatzal, by the Chazan Ish Zatzal. All of our G'daylam are telling us no negativity. Only love can bring our children back. Physically, keeping them safe, Be'ezus Hashem, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, and spiritually.